Welcome to the family with Josh Arnold, Mr. Money Talk. Officer Dave. And Andy Brampernard. See all the good people. What the hell's Tevin today? Stiff, didn't show up. I guess not. <laughs> Typical. <laughs> Playing by his own rules. We've got a guest uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes. It's going to be pretty interesting because by coincidence, I didn't even know this was going to go on. I Somebody asked me about um, the Jacob Wetterling situation. I used to do a lot of public service announcements. Mm-hmm. When kid, children would disappear, I would always do the voiceover for it and all. Well, that was a tough... Well, you know what? I'll talk about it more when Robert comes on because it'll he'll go pretty in-depth with the whole deal. I still cannot believe that happened in 1989. I know. Isn't that ridiculous? That was 30-something, almost 35 years ago. That is a very long time ago. Isn't that amazing? It doesn't seem like it. It seems like it was like about 10 years ago, maybe. Yep. Yeah, very, Somewhere. very close. And when that was happening, it was just devastating because at that time my kids were were young and you're starting to think oh my gosh oh yeah Mm -hmm. i mean there's a situation my whole life and again you talk about where you grew up and all the rest of it but uh right off of lindale and 20 so was it 20 yeah 26th and lindale's fairview park over there in north minneapolis and there was a trio of boys uh in the family I can't remember how old they were. I think they were like 9, 10, and 11, something like that. Mm-hmm. Went over to Fairview Park and never came back home again. Mm. And I will never forget that. And then finally, about, I guess, 20 years ago now, might might not have been that long, but the mother of the boys was interviewed by the news. So this was many years after they disappeared. They never were found. They mm. never found them. Um, and so the reporter said, well, well, so what do you do on a daily basis now? She said, I sit and look out the window and wait for my ch- children to come oh. home. Every day she would sit and look out the window and wait for them to come home. Can you imagine being living through that torture? I couldn't do it. Oh, God, I can't I even couldn't. imagine. I'm not strong enough. You know, I, the great thing for me, I look out the window and if Andy comes, I just lock the door. <laughs> so, you know, it's a different deal. He's not even responding. He not even respond to that. I have to do my job. <laughs> I have to do my job. I can't even imagine. Well, Andy, you have got a, a almost two-year-old now. Can you guys even imagine going through something like that? No, I can't. Never. I can't. Never. But it's a hell of a lot more common than people know. Yep. Kids it's... disappear all the time. And I just, eh, what are you going to you know, do? My, my kids are in their late 20s, early 30s, and still to this day, it's like, it would kill oh, me. Yeah. It would crush me. Oh, there's no question about that, to lose somebody like that. Mm-hmm. And, and for these nefarious reasons, it's like, what do you, really? Yep. You want to take children? <laughs> okay, that's great. That's just magnificent. But we'll talk to Robert Dudley about that. Uh, Robert M. Dudley is going to be our special guest. Is, is, he re- is our guest ready to go, Andy? Sure is. Robert M. Dudley, how are you, sir? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. It's great to hear your voice, actually. Well, thank you. It was very nice of you, sir. We were just talking about the fact that uh, in October 1989, 11-year-old Jacob Wetterling was abducted near his home in a small town of St. Joseph, Minnesota. I don't want to do too much reading about this, but Robert, we're, by coincidence, Robert M. Dudley, I didn't know you were going to be on today, but somebody asked me earlier this week about about this, that uh, I was working at KQRS morning show in Minnesota here for 37 years, and I... Worked with the Wetterling family. I did all the uh, public service announcements for them and search oh, committee sure. things and all the rest of it and ended up doing a lot of that kind of work because of it. 
But I will tell you, Robert, just to be around the Wetterling family, because the parents would show up uh, to every recording and all the rest of it, uh, it, it made me grow up in that area very, very quickly to be around someone who had taken such a loss. And you realize how devastating that is, Robert. It was, it was amazing to watch, I will tell you that. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it was. No question. Well, very quickly, one other uh, case. The huffing started, so people came to me and said, would you do the PSAs for all, you know, try to end huffing and all the rest of it? And I did. I cut a couple of spots with a gentleman. I won't mention his name, but he lost a son to huffing. And I ran into him about a year later, and I said, how are you doing? And he looked at me with a sad face, and he said, how do you think I'm doing, Tom? I went, mm. ooh. Yeah. So, Robert, how did you get involved with this whole situation? Well, when uh, you know, I live in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, then of course we sure. heard the news back in nineteen eighty. You know, it was uh, kind of the original, you know, way before the internet type of viral type story that just kind of went around. Um, and I always always interested in the case, and you know, sometimes you know just look to see if there was any updates, and, and sometimes there were, sometimes there, sometimes there weren't. Uh, and you know, when, when my kids were growing up, I kind of always thought about th- thought about Jacob as well, you know, and just. Mm-hmm. Um, Different different situations in that, and uh, my work actually brought me to Central Minnesota uh, for a number of years. And uh, on one trip, uh, coming back uh, to Eau Claire, I heard something on the radio about uh, digging up a, a farmer's uh, field or driveway. Right. Uh, with regards to Jacob, of course, that was Dan Rancier's uh, uh, farm, and um, so just kind of one one thing led to another, and I just started doing a lot more serious. Uh, Google research and then looking for any kind of news articles I could find and then uh, ultimately found websleuths.com. Uh, you know, if, if you remember, you know, when Betty White uh, was finally got to host uh, Saturday Night Live, uh, she described uh, Facebook as a total waste of time. Well, we- websleuths is kind of like that, but, but uh, you know, it's a, uh, yeah. there, there is some good in there, but you just got to weed through it. But, um, then eventually, I really just got into doing newspaper archive research because at the time... Uh, probably late 2013, I would say, or mid-2013, excuse me, 2013, uh, Dan was starting to go public. You know, he was a suspect at the time. Mm-hmm. He felt he was being treated poorly by Stearns County, and he um, uh, he, he was featured in a couple of articles or news stories, um, and he was talking about this car he had seen in his driveway uh, the night of the abduction, and, you know, the cops never looked into it. And um, one, one of the first things I found in the, in the microfilm at the uh, St. Cloud Library uh, about two days after the abduction was, was an article where Dan was actually quoted with his address and name saying he had saw a car with lights close together, like a small car. And throughout you know, several more months and hundreds and hundreds of articles, that car was never mentioned again. And so I initially, I initially, initially thought Dan was a kidnapper based on law enforcement, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. pure you know, speculation about him. And, um, but then when I realized he was telling the truth about that car, I started to think about it differently and just, you know, gradually just started um, putting more and more pieces together. And then at the t- then later on, probably say a year later, 2014, um, investigators were now after Dwayne Hart. And um, I just, that, that didn't make sense to me because I knew enough about Hart and I knew enough about, just the overall situation that didn't make sense. And I, you know, one thing kind of led to another. I decided to put everything in one place and, and write a book about the investigation and just kind of the hopes that, you know, somebody, 
uh, might remember something or spark some kind of memory and or somebody come forward or or something. It just, it just had seemed appeared to me a lot of the past had been forgotten. I guess that's the best way to put it. Yeah. No, I can see that. I have heard from some law enforcement people that they, in a way, couldn't really prove it, so it didn't come pop up all that much. But a lot of them believed they knew who it was, and it turned out to be the guy who actually did it. And they kind of thought all along he had done it, but just couldn't prove it. Did, did you find that to be true? Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, a lot of that was you know, post-arrest, I would say. Because um, Heinrich's name, quite frankly, didn't come up much. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it came up for me um, in a set of uh, handwritten uh, private investigator notes that, um, act, ironically, were uh, a PI in in, the, in jail with Dwayne Hart, interviewing him, and he, um, you could tell he was actually trying to help identify you know, who, who this could be, as well as the Painsville, Painsville assaults. And you um, mentioned Dan Raster several times in there, and a lot of a lot of what Dan would wear in his car, and the fact he had a a, a CB radio or a Citizens Band you know, type of police, a police scanner, I guess that's the, the proper term. Um, a lot of that fit with Jared Cheryl's abductor, and so um, you know those pieces kind of came together. Um, with regard to your question about you know after the fact or. You know, did law enforcement talk about? Yeah, we knew this was the guy. I, I, I do know from from a solid source that when, when Sheriff Charlie Graft was um, nearing his death, that he had confided in family that um, that uh, they believed Heinrich was the guy. So I, I think he was obviously you know the suspect. Uh, you know, Painesville Police turned him as a suspect. Turns County had him as a suspect for for Jared's case. A lot of that hasn't really been reported on all that much, right? But um, you know, he, he had, he's a suspect all along, and it, it just seems like he was forgotten about. You know, it's just it's a shame. It's a, it's like they it's kind of a situation where they knew he did it, but they couldn't quite prove it. Didn't have enough to charge him. And of course, Roger Van Heel was the district attorney at the time, and he he was known to not try a case unless it was a hundred percent lockdown solid that he's going to win. Uh, and you know that, so I think that approach uh, is what uh, caused them to turn him loose and not charge him initially. And you know, you get into Al Garber's book, and there was a lot of infighting. You know, he mentions this in his book, which uh, I think came out in 2009. A lot of infighting between uh, different agencies. And he talks about he talks about he doesn't name Heinrich in his book, but he talks about his arrest situation and the fact that uh, cars and his fiber matched Jared's uh, clothing. And all these kind of clues, and it was a little surprising to me that media didn't pick up on on that, you know, uh, for a number of years. And just there's a lot of things that surprised me, I guess, in my journey. Yeah, I could see that absolutely. Robert, did you ever, kind of a background situation, uh, try to find out? Because boy, it's got to be difficult, but why this happens, why men abduct little boys, and I know there's a sexual element to it and all the rest of it, but how does that come about? I mean, i got to be honest with you. It's something that would never occur to, what, 98% of people in the world? Right. How does it happen? Is it something that happened to them as children? Yeah, I think that's the key right there. Yep. There's a cycle of abuse. 
Yep. And it's just ongoing, and it take you know somehow it takes somebody to break it to, to kind of free and stop that cycle. And then, but, but not every, not everyone does, obviously. And I think, and hopefully, it's way more than ninety eight percent that doesn't occur. You know, occur yeah. to anyone. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's it, there. There's all kinds of you know psychological studies and and things like that, and profiling and lots of evidence. Um, you know, to to your point, at the time I was writing the book, again, the top suspect was Dwayne Hart. And, and this, this actually was proven once the, the documents were released, uh, because, you know, um, in, in my heart, I felt like Stearns County was going after Hart again. You know, they went after him in 8990, right. looking at him as a suspect. And, you know, once the documents were released, you know, you had uh, investigators, once the BCA and the Stearns County investigator going to see Dwayne Hart multiple times, and each time they would read him his rights, um, a couple times they offered him immunity for the Painesville cases, which I thought was kind of laughable because even I, being a layman, uh, was able to pretty quickly determine that those cases were beyond the statute of limitations at the time. Um, but uh, so anyway, you can you can see the pattern there. And then again, through through a through a confidential source, at the same time, uh, Stearns County is going to see Hart as a suspect. The FBI agent um, who ultimately arrested Heinrich actually went to see Hart as a witness about the same time. Really? Yes. Now that's not in the documents, but I have I have solid intel. Um, but yeah, it's um, it is it is shocking, you know, that this can happen, um, and. Um, you know, it was kind of the reason for the, the title of the original book, which was which came out about six months before Heinrich's arrest, was called "It Can't Happen Here," and it was because just kind of everywhere I turned, it just seemed like you know this can't happen in a small town. You know, this isn't right, and, and yet it did. You know, for somebody to be abducted at gunpoint with witnesses, you know, in, in the middle of a rural road, uh, just was just shocking. You know, it just sent shockwaves through you know anyone who, who heard about it. Yeah, that makes total sense. We have a police officer sitting in, as a matter of fact, today, Officer Dave, who's a, he's an okay cop, I guess, Robert. <laughs> okay. You know, he, he does an okay job, but do you ever have to deal with this at all? Uh, fortunately, no. Yeah. I was, I was very lucky throughout most of my career that I never had to deal with anything like this at all. Is it all that common in most areas? You know, even the, the sleepy little town I worked in, mm-hmm. um, we did have a pedophile who lived there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's he's long since passed away, but, um, yeah, I literally I was walking out the door when that phone call came in. Oh, really? And it was like, oh. I, when I got there the next day, I was like, I'm so glad I was out the door when that one came in. It's funny because that's the reason I asked you that. And Robert, uh, do you talk to, to, to the police about this? This has got to be very difficult on a police force to deal with this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's you know I've dealt uh, you know I didn't deal, deal with obviously didn't deal with investigators back in the time at the time Jake was right, talking, but I, right. I've written about several other cases and done a lot you know had a lot of phone calls and email correspondence with with several investigators from 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 that area and from from around you know West Central Wisconsin and it's like they, you know. Without a doubt, you know, investigators are, are dedicated to solving these cases, and you know, and many of them that's their that's their goal before they retire is to solve a certain case. And one, once in a while, that does happen. It's, you know, it's it's good good to see, and it's obviously a great thing that the Wetterling case ultimately did 
reach resolution. Uh, just, it's just kind of shocking it took so long. See, the one thing that would devastate you as a parent as I look at, you know, when this happened and the, the day today, and Jacob Wetterling would be 45 years old now. Isn't that amazing? Right. That little boy, he'd be wow. 45 years old now. Yeah. And all of that just it just put it came to an end because of one guy, and as Robert pointed out, and he's 100% right, this is about the abuse that he suffered, what happened to the people who abused him, were they abused. I mean, there's a long history in some of these families of, of the abuse and beatings. And, uh, right. Uh, it just, is there any... I suppose there's no way to pick up on that. I mean, it'd be a little difficult. Uh, you move in next door to someone, you find out, well, this guy's a real creep. Uh, I, I just, uh, what do you do about that? I, people, uh, you know, you know, it does, it does, it does give you a perspective. And I, um, yeah. when I was writing the original book, I had had the assistance of a former English uh, high school English teacher, and she helped me find a writing voice, helped me with some editing, and you know, basically slapped me silly till I till I got it, you know, till I got it decent. So it was readable. And, you know, she had commented to me, you know, uh, halfway through the process that, you know, she thinks back now and she was retired. She thinks back now about kids in her class that she always kind of wondered about. And then now she, she looks at it in a different light. Like what was it really like at home? You know? Yeah. And, and here's some, here's something I forgot to mention that's re- in the original book, um, b- because everything was, the public and, and there was some social media and and, it, and and had some intel that they were really chasing after Dwayne Hart and it proved to be true. Uh, I was so certain it wasn't him. I made a point in the original book that I said, due to the cycle of abuse, it was more likely that someone that Dwayne Hart molested was the actual kidnapper than it was Hart himself. There was no reason for Hart to kidnap a kid. He had access. He had he would booze them, drug them, give them money. He, he would do this on a routine basis. He's notorious for it in the Belgrade area and Painesville. Mm-hmm. And the, the, what shocked me after the case was was um, kind of blew up in 2015 was that there there's pretty good evidence that Hart actually did molest Danny Heinrich. They ran in the same circles. In fact, they hung out. And I'd heard from a, a former coworker who who was from the Painesville area. Um, this is back in. It was just just a few weeks before Jacob was found, and uh, she had said, "Hey, my, you know, my sister. I read, I read your book, and my sister used to hang out with you know Danny and 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 Hart." And I said, "You need to find out." Because I I told reporters, "Find out where um, where they hung out, where where they party, where 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 they go to feel comfortable, because chances are pretty good that's where you find Jacob." And I, I told her, "I said, find out from your sister where this was." And a few weeks later, she, she pinged me back and said it was north of Painesville by the railroad tracks just north of the Crow River. There's like a, there's like a pit there or something. They call it the, 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 the valley or something like that. And um, so that night, I emailed Stearns County. I emailed Shane Ball, the FBI, emailed a couple different reporters. And I said, hey, this chances are pretty good. This is where you're going to find Jacob. So that probably freaked them out because that night, that afternoon, across the road from that very spot is where they found Jacob. And that's where he's buried the second time. The first time he was buried at, you know, the night of the night he was killed, he was buried in the very spot that I had speculated about. Really? Ugh. Yeah. So, so, and it, what's interesting too, we talk about profiling. Um, you know, I read several books by, by, by John Douglas. And I recommend those to anybody that's a true, mm-hmm. true, true, true crime reader. 
and and several of the things he said, and he 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 told me that he was actually the profiler in Jacob's case. And um, I know there was a profiler. I don't know for a fact it's him, except except his word. And he, in his books, he always says a number of things consistently. One, if you have a top suspect and can't find evidence to arrest him, can't you can't find the body? Uh, follow him around the one-year anniversary because they almost always visit the grave. Really? That, yeah, there's there's that mentality. Yeah, that's oh, and re- he did relive the crime. Yep. Yep, and Danny Heinrich did that because he went back, and it wasn't exactly on the one-year anniversary, but it was within, within you know the margin of error, and he reburied him. And um, there's also the arson aspect, and and um, you know what was the trigger? Well, he had just lost his job at Finger Hut, and so all these things come rushing at you when you after you've read John Douglas books. They just mean a whole different. They take on a whole different meaning. Yeah, that makes total sense. I, I, to close, Robert, I just want to ask you, and I'm, like, obviously in, in this case, uh, there was all the speculation you would. I, I mentioned that case uh, from my childhood when those three boys disappeared, and they never found those boys. It's got to mean a ton to the family to have found Jacob's remains, right? Yeah, I mean, I would think so, yeah. I just, it's got to be tough, these people that go through this, and they never, ever do find their children. And they yeah. sit by the door and wait for them to come home for the rest of their lives because you didn't show me yeah. the body. So I'm thinking maybe, yeah. maybe that's the situation. Robert, yeah, and I, so I, I don't know the Wetterlings, but you know I did work with Rita Raker on the Raker sisters also from right. the Cloud area, and and she ultimately had a, a deathbed meeting with the suspect in her case, and she told me afterwards that you know in a letter that she's at peace and she feels you know it's still an open case but she's at peace and she feels she knows who killed her daughters and that was 1974 and Mm. never saw it officially but uh you know she's still she she was on a podcast just a couple weeks ago uh so she's like 88 89 years old and still still at it 50 50 years that's amazing dealing with that for 50 years finding jacob wetterling the 27 year investigation from kidnapping to confession, Robert M. Dudley. The book is available everywhere, sir. Yep, uh, I know it's available at Amazon.com. I, I imagine there's select bookstores as well, it's, um, but definitely on Amazon. All my books are on Amazon. Sounds good, Robert. Thank you so much for your time today, sir. Have a good day. I appreciate it. Thank you, Tom and Dave. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. What's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. 
Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabanco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. Well, look who's here. Did you miss me, big ticket? Like an open sore Mrs. Carmex, man. Seriously, Doug, where have you been? I'm running flagship Ford in Baldwin, Wisconsin. The fireworks capital just 15 minutes east of the St. Croix? That's the place. Anyway, I've come up with some marketing slogans. You know, to put us on the map, read these and let me know what you think. Okay. <clears throat> flagship Ford, drive a lot, save a little. Flagship Ford, you think you hate it now? Wait till you drive it. Flagship Ford, the largest Ford dealership in Baldwin, Wisconsin. Flagship Ford, where the cows are nervous. Flagship Ford, there is no ship, but we actually do literally have a flag. Awesome, huh? Read this. It's my favorite. Flagship Ford, white cars for... Oh, hell no, I'm not reading that. You've been day drinking again? Maybe. The point is, buying a car should be fun and make you giggle a little bit. This is a great store I'm really proud of. You can check us out at FlagshipFord.com or email me directly at Doug at FlagshipFord.com. FlagshipFord.com. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> I got, I'm, I'm, exhausted. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Yeah, just listening to that. Oh. Now, I do have a, have a question. Yes, sir. Uh, Jacob was with his younger brother and his younger brother's friend. I believe uh, so. At, at one point. At the time. I think, I think so. Uh, how were they dealing dealing with it? Or, yeah. Or did? I know. How do you, that? That's the whole deal. It changes your life forever. There's no question about that. And again, having met the Wetterlings many, many times, Patty in particular, her husband uh, would come in as often as he could. But just just to be around, boy, she's a hell of a lot stronger than I, I am, I'll tell you that. Holy God. Tough row to hoe, man. Don't you think? Yes. It's a horrible. <clears throat> yeah. Just Something is. that I would not want to go through. No. All right, let's read one other story so we can segue into... Boy, that's a tough segue, Andy, don't you think? Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, it just makes me so... And it, it, it's obviously I never met Jacob, but I got to know Patty Wetterling pretty well, and it just to listen to that again nails me right in the chest, I'll tell you. You could not find a nicer person than that woman. So just a great, per great person. So in any case, how the twins do it? Honest <laughs> to God. <laughs> That, those are tough interviews. Yeah. They really are. But uh, Robert did a great job. Robert Dudley, ladies and gentlemen, did a hell of a job with it. So let's talk about what's, uh, what's on, the, on the docket for you, Josh. <laughs> After that, now you, you want can, me you to can, do, you can do it, Josh. I got now, faith now in you. you, want you me to talk, now you want me to talk about. <laughs> well, no, we can wow, segue. Now we can talk, talk, about, talk well, about the, the economy. Uh, we can talk about this being a very big week with corporate earnings, the Federal yeah, Reserve. There you go. Uh, what could be happening with with the economy? 
and they I think keep, the economy is doing a lot better than than most people think. Most people in government thought it was going to be worse. Uh, yes, most people in the government, and we can say in the government, most people in the uh, investment community yep. thought this year uh, we'd be in the midst of a pretty serious recession. Yeah. Um, most investment strategists were warning uh, their clients stay out of the market and go buy oh, really? go buy government bonds because that'd be the safe safe thing to do, and buy not only longer term government bonds, buy shorter term government bonds because the yields uh, on the short term bonds close to five percent was tremendous, and stay away from stay away from stocks or be underweight stocks. And many of those strategists are still maintaining uh, their the same stance. The, mar the stock market, uh, broadly speaking, measured by the S <laughs> excuse me, measured by the S and P 500, is still overvalued uh, based on where earnings are, based on where interest rates are, uh, and underweight the the stocks in their port in your portfolio and overweight government bonds. Uh, I have never been one of those people. Uh, I've typically overweighted, typically, yeah, always have overweighted investing in, in stocks, or if you're a mutual fund investor, overweighted stock-related mutual funds, underweighted or um, eliminated investing in bonds, and used cash if you want to be safe. Be in cash, mm -hmm. uh, whatever it, whatever it earns. Uh, I think I've stated previously on this program, and I know that I've stated on program that that I do. Uh, I am not a bond investor. I want to avoid investing in bonds. Bonds are going to fluctuate up and down based on changes in interest rates. If interest rates continue to move up, and the Federal Reserve this past week raised. Mm -hmm. Short-term interest rates, another 25 basis points, so that's one quarter of 1%, uh, because they still see, oh, as they say, we've got <laughs> massive inflation. We still have to bring inflation under control. But now we might be a little bit more flexible and we'll be more data-dependent uh, right. going, going forward. But we still, oh, it's, it's awful out there. Too many people are working. They're making too much money. <laughs> That's bad. That's a and, terrible and, thing. And house prices continue to move up, and apartment prices continue to move up. Even with higher inflation, even with higher higher rates. Well, yeah, people want to buy houses. They do, you know, so they'll buy them at any cost. Well, it's not any cost, but close. It's. You need a house. We're going to go. If you qualify for the mortgage, you're going to go buy a house. Yeah. Now I don't know about you, but the mortgage on my first house was seven and a half percent. Yeah, mine too. Yep. And interest rates back then continue to go up, and people were still buying, buying houses. Didn't it get up to like around fifteen percent? And they yeah. were still buying houses. People were still buying houses. Boy, that's expensive. That's, that's crazy. Now just just. <gasps> Think about this for first for a second. When we were buying buying houses, as we are boomers, <laughs> boomers. <laughs> Not you, Andy. No, I don't think Officer um, Dave is either. Is he? No, I'm a Gen X. Gen oh, X. you're yeah. a Gen X. Boomers. Yeah. There, 
a lot of boomers, there weren't enough houses. And boomers were um, having families, needing, mm-hmm. needing housing. So prices at that point moved up, law of supply and demand. Boomers' children, and there are more boomer children than there are boomers. Yes. And boomer children were or are marrying later, having children later than boomers did, uh, need housing. And there is a shortage of houses. God, how can there be a shortage of houses? Everywhere you look, there are houses. There is a shortage of houses. And if you listen to some of the home builders, demand is up, and they're still building building houses. Mm-hmm. Well, look at every city in the entire country. It's 40-story high-rises crammed with thousands and thousands of people each. In order to just house one high-rise worth of people, you'd need probably 100 acres of land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably so, more true. than that. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what happens when you go from a very urban culture where everyone wants to be in the city in a little apartment to a culture where people now want land and houses. Yeah. So, and then you have the, the next thing is the boomers are moving to other states. To other yeah. other states. Yeah. Want wanting uh, warmer weather in mm-hmm. the winter, and if they're moving from a high tax state like. Minnesota or New York or California or Illinois, they're moving to lower tax states, whether it's Arizona, Florida, the Carolinas, Tennessee, or Texas. It's It's not just the boomers either, Josh. Trust me, this Gen Xer is getting early sick of the winter time, too. You're sick of the winter? <laughs> yeah, I, I, snow and I, I just like, ah. Oh. Snow and I. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. It's, I always look back, of course, at 2008, and I still, I, I still do not understand what happened in 2008. I just don't, I have no clear understanding why that ever even happened. Nobody saw anything coming, or did they just not tell people? Well, I, I think the... I'm not going to say they didn't see something happening, mm-hmm. but when you have that much leverage, yeah. bar- borrowed yeah. money to mm-hmm. buy yep. bonds, uh, I, I do believe that uh, the bankers that were putting these uh, mortgage-backed securities together did not believe that people would not pay on the mortgages. Have they ever met anybody? <laughs> people love to stiff other people for money. They just love doing that. Well, I think the belief was that if you have a house, you're not going to, and you have a mortgage, you're not going to not pay. God, has that changed? Has it gotten better? I don't. I really don't think so. I don't either. I don't <laughs> think so. The quest, it's just, I, I think the oh, the amount of leverage that uh, bankers use to generate higher yield is, you know, is we'll say absurd to me. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I look at the whole situation now and the future. I, I, let me ask you this, Josh. When when 
Andy, who's, you know, 36, 30s, all about to turn 37 years old, he watches TV, and all he sees are national news anchors. Oh, my God, we need to put Biden in prison. And then on the other channel, oh, my God, we got to put Donald Trump in prison. That cannot be good for our economy to look at our leaders as a bunch of thieving pigs, is it? I don't think it's good for the psyche of any uh, well, of that's, anybody. That's I don't think it's it's really good to for anybody wanting to establish trust in government. But how do you invest in anything if you can't trust your own government? Is that a is that a big are there ways to protect? Well, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm <laughs> not. I'm not looking at, at government when I'm when I'm investing. I'm no, looking I, at okay, okay, okay. How good how good is the company? How good is the company's management? Good. I'm glad to hear that. That's that's what I'm looking at. Now, there are a lot of managements of of companies that might not be up to up to speed and that and you hope that uh, somebody who's providing advice in looking at investments or looking after your investments mm -hmm. is looking at how strong management Management is. Uh, well, wasn't that the problem with the, the bank collapses? And still to this day, banks are collapsing because... Again, I, I point out how strong is management? What is their... Absolutely. What is their, their motivation? Mm -hmm. I am not a bank investor. I've never been in a, a bank that investor. That does not surprise me in the least. <laughs> <laughs> Stay... I mean, I do have some money in, in banks in a form of... You know, checking account or say you know small oh, sure. savings account, right? But I am not investing in in the bank. How the uh, this whole um, I don't know. God, now I can't even think of what they're called because I love I love to avoid talking about them. But these hedge fund people. There's nothing wrong with the hedge fund people. They're oh, very they're very very asking. smart. They're very very smart. There are uh, a lot of hedge funds. The hedge funds are, we'll say, a mutual fund for sophisticated uh, investors and large institutions and or pension, pension plans okay. who put money with some very, very smart individuals who each have or each fund has a different strategy. You know, there's looking to invest in different types of, of securities. Okay. The this I found uh, very very interesting. The average life of a hedge fund is about three years. Really? See now, that's I'm very. Glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. Very 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 short. So they get in and get out. Well, that's some just get in and get out. The hedge fund managers make money and they'll move move on or and or mm -hmm. uh, move on to something else or uh, they don't make it. Their strategy does not does not work so or they, they might have a period of time where they do very well the first year don't do so well the second year and the third year they're doing well but because they they're not making the the hedge fund managers are not making uh, their incentive fee uh, they close the fund down now I say the incentive fee the typical management of a hedge fund gets paid a 2% management fee. So regardless of how the fund does, the, uh, the managers are going to get 2% of the value of that fund. Then they get 20% of the profits above 
a certain high water mark, and we'll say it's 20% above, or they get 20% of the value of the hedge fund above the bogey, which is how well the S&P 500 did. So if the hedge fund um, did 5% better than the S&P index that particular year, management's going to get 20% of that, of that 5% over and above. If they come in below that number, they don't get that bonus. And until the fund um, gets above that, they're not going to get their bonus. So mm -hmm. they'll say, you know what, we're giving everybody our money back and or they're going to start another fund. Okay, let's say that I, I, I walk up to Andy, we'll be 37 years old in October. Mm -hmm. Our daughter is a couple of years younger than that. Let's say I walk up to them and I give them both uh, $10,000, which is a pretty sizable chunk to give to somebody. Mm -hmm. What should they do with that? They're, they're in their 30, mid-30s. Danny's getting more Okay, so we, if, if they've already taken care of what I call basic things, mm -hmm. they have adequate health insurance, life insurance, right, disability right. insurance, they've already put money into or fully funded their retirement account, be it an IRA, SCP, 401k. They've done all, all of that. Okay, so do all ex, that first. Do all that first. Okay. Uh, and if you're even putting money away or starting to put money away and you're put that into your retirement account first. Yeah. First, okay. first things first, put that money away into your retirement account, 401k, IRA, SCP, Fund that to the max first. And I'm of the belief you want to put that at least into, minimally into the, to an S&P index fund or uh, some other, uh, we'll say, stock-related mutual fund. Then you have this extra $10,000. What can you, you do? Well, if somebody's coming to me, I say, what do you want the money to do for you? Oh, it's a good question. Um, and most most people that I have talked to say, well, we want it, that money for our retirement, want it to pay for a college education, or want to save some money so that we can buy buy a house or or a cabin or someplace whatever. or travel. Okay, well, if we're going to take that, and I tend to look at investing that $10,000 into some individual companies. So we'll say companies that Andy uh, might be familiar with or comfortable with. So to me, that's Apple or Amazon, uh, Meta or Facebook. Uh, <laughs> Whatever or it Google. is this week. X. Google. So of course. No, that's, that was Twitter. That was yeah, Twitter. That was Twitter. Uh, Twitter was pub public. The yep. company was taken private by Elon Musk, and he wants mm -hmm. to rebrand it to X. Well, it's such a bad rebranding because tweet is part of English vernacular at this point. It is. I'm going to tweet it, but yep. saying I'm going to exit just sounds dumb. It means well, if you're going to exit, you're going to get, you're gonna get, get rid, rid of it. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like if you so, go to the restaurant and somebody says, well, we're going to 86 that. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, so now what? Do you keep saying I'm going to tweet it even though it's not called Twitter, which is just going to confuse people? Well, like, why, why not? Why is it called tweeting? It's not called, you know, anything involving a bird. Oh, it used to be. 
It's just, I don't know. It doesn't make any <laughs> I sense. Think, I think that's part of his branding because he, uh, Elon Musk has space... X. Yes. yes. Well, he ha- he's owned X.com since the 90s, and he's one of, like, five people to own a single letter domain. Um, and X Corp has been his corporation for a long time. And, yeah, there's SpaceX, the Tesla Model X. He's just got, got a thing with the letter X for some reason. This is his daughter n- X named A16 something. something weird. XA16 something. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> really appreciate it. It's, uh, let's see, Elon Musk's daughter name... Uh, he had some, here we go. Uh, oh, it was a son. He, uh, has a son named X, A-E, you know, the A-E combined together. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's actually called. A-12, two and a half. Why? Of course, he does have a daughter named Y. Why? Which Why did we have you? Which doesn't that's make real sense nice. because... Girl would make more sense for X, and boy would make more sense for Y, That's would it not? That's true. Yeah. Hmm. You need to know a guy for your auto repairs, legal issues, banking, and more. The same goes for investment advice. You need a guy to help you be successful, someone you can trust who gets results. Well, I got a guy for you, Josh Arnold. Josh gives you straight talk, not sugar-coated advice about your financial situation. Josh has seen it all when it comes to economic and market conditions, and Josh can make sure that your retirement objectives match your investments. Do yourself a favor and call Josh now for a no-obligation, 48-minute evaluation. You've got nothing to lose, and you'll get a different point of view for your investments. Call Josh at 952-925-5608. That is 952-925-5608. You'll be glad that you did. And tell him his, his guy, Tom, sent you. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Tom Bernard is a paid endorser. Well, look who's here. Did you miss me, big ticket? Like an open sore Mrs. Carmex, man. Seriously, Doug, where have you been? I'm running flagship Ford in Baldwin, Wisconsin. The fireworks capital just 15 minutes east of the St. Croix? That's the place. Anyway, I've come up with some marketing slogans. You know, to put us on the map, read these and let me know what you think. Okay. Flagship Ford, drive a lot, save a little. Flagship Ford, you think you hate it now? Wait till you drive it. Flagship Ford, the largest Ford dealership in Baldwin, Wisconsin. Flagship Ford, where the cows are nervous. Flagship Ford, there is no ship, but we actually do literally have a flag. Awesome, huh? Read this. It's my favorite. Flagship Ford, white cars for... Oh, hell no, I'm not reading that. You've been day drinking again? Maybe. The point is, buying a car should be fun and make you giggle a little bit. This is a great store I'm really proud of. You can check us out at FlagshipFord.com or email me directly at Doug at FlagshipFord.com. FlagshipFord.com. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. It's true. So, Andy, if you had your way, so you've gotten the 10000 in cash, what would you like to invest in? Because maybe Josh can say, hey, good idea, or maybe not. Well, if I knew what to invest in, I'd uh, be in the position of Josh Arnold, wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well. 
This is where there we you hire go. people. Well, yes. no. That's good. Thank you very much. <laughs> Josh goes, thanks, Andy. <clears throat> I appreciate no, that. No, when you, you are talking about uh, you know, somebody investing in companies that you are familiar with, mm -hmm. and then you, that a lot of companies that you're familiar with do make, do make money and have been around for a good period of time. Mm -hmm. And I happen to, the companies that I've mentioned happen to, do, happen to do very well or have been doing very well for a significant period of time. That's no guarantee that they're going to continue to do well. Right, right. Uh, that's, and with any, any individual company that uh, is on the stock market, the price of stock goes up and down on a regular basis. It's not one straight line up. Um, but some days it could feel, oh, this, is, this keeps going up or company keeps going down. And there are companies, I've talked about some names that are at the top of the S&P 500, at the top of the NASDAQ in terms of valuation. But there are many companies that you may not have thought of that have done very, very well. As an example, a little company called Copart. You've probably seen some of their, um, their places to buy used cars and auctions around the, the really? country. <laughs> so Copart owns the land that people will sell um, insurance uh, vehicles on. And so they, they operate, we'll say, uh, uh, um, car auction lots. So their, their stock, if you look at a little, little chart, just keeps climbing a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and then the stock had a had a split and has kept on climbing, and they make a little bit of money all but it's the time. Consistent. It's very, very consistent. Um, insurance, you know, insurance companies take your car after you've been in an accident, and before it gets junked, they'll try to sell it to somebody. Part it out, basically. Yeah. yeah. So Copart operates these auction sites in many, many cities. He's, boy, I never even thought of something like, <laughs> like, like that. You might have a, a shoe company. Who, who would have thought that um, Crocs? Was, oh, God, yes. Okay. Who would have thought that they're something going to stay in business and <laughs> their stock keeps, keeps doing, doing well? Uh, so that's... They're not technology companies. McDonald's mm -hmm. just reported their earnings this past week, and they still sell a lot of hamburgers. Yeah. And, yes, they have to pay, pay more money to their employees, and, yes, they're uh, into uh, artificial intelligence. So now when you go up to some McDonald's, you're going to uh, – speak into the mic and the mic's going to speak back to you but it's not a person it's a it's a machine mm -hmm. um, but McDonald's stock just slowly but surely has moved moved up so does it make sense to buy into a company like an Apple or something when the stock prices are so high or is it just get in there at some point is well to me uh, 
I'm not going to say, well, I have to say that. I'm emotionally tied to Apple. Apple is my largest uh, uh, position. It's my client's largest, largest position. I have a belief that uh, based on Apple's sales and their earnings, uh, that Apple stock would be worth $250 a share sometime over the next uh, year to 18 months. The stock currently is at $196 so, yeah, a share. Sense. Yes, is it going to go going to go up there very quickly? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. It'd be very nice that it that it does. Uh, Apple's Apple reports their earnings uh, next Thursday, as does Amazon and another little company that I own, DraftKings. Um, typically, after earnings and after a stock has moved so much, um, the stock typically has pulled back a little bit. So we'll say profit-taking, sell-the-news kind of event. Um, And that would happen afterwards. If Apple does get close to uh, $200 prior to the earnings report, I would wait definitely till afterwards and maybe maybe, uh, buy the stock a little lower. But, you know, if Apple comes out and says, hey, we did a lot better than you guys thought, and we're going to increase our guidance into the next into the next quarter or into the next year based on our new f- phone coming out, based on going into India, based on China China sales being better than we expect. Uh, so that pushes the stock up, but. Coming into an earnings after a stock has had a pretty good run, typically you'd want to wait for that earnings report and then and then buy. Okay. But Apple would it be a stock that I would want in my in my portfolio? portfolio. Right. And I look at it not just as a technology company, but as a consumer company. Uh, just look uh, at the number of people that you may know who have a, an iPhone or an iWatch. I think like seventy uh, percent of our audience is on iPhone. It's oh, really? some massive number, yeah. And I've just looked and said that at one point people were getting an, a new iPhone every two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Primarily, right. the phone companies would buy the buy the phones, offer you a special deal yep. if you, you know, re-upped. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. We'll we'll do that. Then Apple had a program where. Uh, when the phone company stopped that, Apple said, okay, why don't you get from us or the phone or through the phone company, we'll give you a deal, pay, pay for the phone for a year, and then come back next year, you'll be on a subscription basis to get a new phone. New phone, yep. Uh, and now people are holding the phones instead of every two years, they're getting a phone every four years. And if you look and say, well, geez, there's 1.5 billion people around the world who have an iPhone. Yeah. And there are over over 2 billion people around the world who have some Apple mm-hmm. device. Yeah. <clears throat> and if just do the math, if how many phones is Apple going to sell every year if people are getting a new phone every four or five years. Yeah. Five so that's going to be, be there. And the phone's <clears throat> going to be up 
just a little bit in cost each each time, and there's going to be some other uh, program that you're going to want to pay for. Yeah, they got Apple TV or Apple Arcade so, or whatever right. it's called, or Apple, yeah. And you're paying for the Apple Cloud, so Apple there's a the lot cloud. of mm -hmm. revenue that continues to, to generate. Is Apple going to grow, grow their sales or earnings uh, more than 5% or 10% a year going forward? I don't think so based on the, just on the number. So what, what is a good percentage that you look for for a stock to increase that's, a, you know, a, yeah, okay, you buy it at a at 100 okay. bucks a share and then it, it's $120 a share a month or two later. Is that? Well, if I, had, if I get a stock that goes from 100 to $120 a share uh, in, a, in a couple months or thank you very much. I'll take my profit, and if I like that company, I'll wait for it to See come down, down a little bit and maybe buy it again. Okay. Uh, if there are certain companies that uh, over a period of time I said, you know what, and that happens to be like Apple. I'm just going to own it. I'm not going to, to trade it. it. Yeah. That's, that's it. There are other companies that aren't making a lot of money at this point in time, but their sales are going up and they're bouncing around all the time. They're in some type of new technology, um, which I happen to like. And right now, the, the hot thing is artificial intelligence. Yes, it is. So Everything's oh, got to have yes. an AI mm -hmm. attached to it. So if it has AI after it, mm -hmm. they're going to move around a lot. Many of these companies yep. may not be in existence in a year or two two years. Mm -hmm. Kind of like the dot-com thing. Kind of like the dot-com. Okay. But even but, worse. <laughs> but, they, but they're good, we'll say, speculative vehicles. Yeah. And that's, that's all it is. And if you're speculating on something, small, very small amount of portfolio going into that. We have a question from the chat. Okay. Right, so let's say I come to you and I say I want to invest in Apple stock mm -hmm. through you. Who is the shareholder? Is it you or me? You. Okay. You are not me. So I'm just I'm just the I'm just the advisor. Okay. All my well, clients have their their money is held at a custodian. Mm -hmm. It's in their name, uh, and if they want to pick pick that up and go someplace else, they pick it up and go someplace else if they don't want to deal with deal with me. So if you want to go to shareholder meetings or something, you can still do that. You go to the, you go you get all the information regarding your shares. So all the information we'll say as we've talked about Apple comes to you. And you want to go to Apple's shareholder meeting in Cupertino, mm -hmm. Cal California when they have that in January, go right ahead. So how do those work? If I own two, um, two shares, two shares, do I have twice the power of someone who owns one share? Is that how that works in a shareholder no, meeting? No, you get uh, one shareholder. You one know, shareholder you, per. Here, here's my votes. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That's another yeah. question he had actually. So having a ton of stock doesn't actually give you a whole lot of clout. Oh, yes, it does. Oh, it does. Yeah, Warren Buffett has got a lot of clout. He well, I is, suppose once you get to a point where you're holding hundreds of thousands of shares. Or and now millions, he also has to register that he has more than 
so many shares. So once you get past a certain point, it becomes something yeah. else. No, I, every, as a registered investment advisor, every quarter I have to send in to the uh, SEC, here's, mm -hmm. here are all the shares that, that I have for each particular stock. Okay, and they're just more likely to listen to you if you own... No, no, I'm too small. <laughs> Nobody's listening to me. Well, I mean, someone like Warren Buffett said. They're going like, to listen. He's not, he's not technically like uh, any bigger of an owner in terms of like vote, but because he has so much in that business. He's going to be, he, he's as a, a we'll say a 5% a share mm -hmm. of Apple. He is, I think their largest shareholder uh, out, outside of, we'll say the family. Mm, yeah. So he does have a significant voice. We have some pull there. Um, in order to get that kind of pull, you have to make quite a bit of money first. Correct. Yeah. That's why you invest in penny stocks. No. You're going to get a whole no. lot of pull among no. those penny stocks. No. Do not. <laughs> no. Stay goes, far do away. Do not. Stay far away. You know, lower price, lower price stocks are, are lower priced mm -hmm. for a reason. Yep. And I know that people say, oh, if I only want to invest in stocks that are under $10 a share because I can have a lot of shares, and if the stock goes, goes up uh, a mm -hmm. little bit, I'm going to make all this money. Right, but they have not. Uh, not necessarily. Yeah. It's, the percentage still go, goes up the, the same. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that uh, uh, stock prices will move and do very well over even if it, if it's a higher priced stock. I mean if I were to look, you know somebody said, "Oh, I can't invest in Berkshire Hathaway because you know the price of the stock is well, now now it's up in the hundreds of thousands oh, for yeah. the A A shares." Mm -hmm. But there's still A shares that are traded every day. Now you can buy the B shares uh, which are $350 a share. A little lower. A little, a little lower, and you get um, Warren Buffett to manage your, your money. That's pretty good. pretty good deal. Yeah. Um, so not that lower price, you know, not that higher price stocks are going to do, you know, better, but they've done pretty well over yeah. a period of time. But the whole, whole key is still look at the company, look at the management, look at their sales, and look at their earnings. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, uh, here's, here's Ford. Oh, I've got to buy Ford. Ford is a cheap stock. It's trading uh, just under $14 a share, Ooh. pays a very nice dividend. Yeah. I look at Ford and say, nah, not for me. Uh, Ford's had not been doing so great lately. Well, I would also say... somehow. I don't want to invest in, in General Motors or mm -hmm. Stellantis. Yeah, uh, I'm not even running out to buy Tesla. I love I love cars, uh, cars, but not investing in car companies. Mm -hmm. um, that might be yeah, more. That might time. be of a trade than than investing in in the company. Now Ford did come out with their earnings this past week. People were saying, oh, their, their earnings look pretty good. They did very well. I look at Ford and said, uh, they lost a lot of money with 
electric vehicles, mm -hmm. and they admitted that it's a tougher sale mm -hmm. than they thought. Well, they're so much more expensive, and you, most people technically don't really get a whole lot out of it. So it is difficult to say. It's like, oh, it's, why not buy this car for 20000 extra dollars, and what you end up saving is a couple hundred bucks a year in gas, you know. It is difficult, but once those prices go down, that's when things are going to really. Well, go nuts. I, I'm. I'm, st I'm still, as they time. say, in, I'm still an ice. That might... I'm still with ice. Internal combustion yeah. engine. Amen. Uh, <laughs> you can go farther in a, with a gas motor than an electric motor. I think electric cars are going to be where they should be in 15 years, maybe 20. It's going to take a while. Um. Maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, they might I, never get there. You never know. I don't. I don't know. As a, the number of people buying electric cars has been increasing, mm -hmm. um, but uh, Tesla is still the, the leading seller of electric vehicles. Uh, I know that all of the, car manufacturings are, are putting some of their production to electric. Yeah, pretty much uh, all of them have some electric vehicle at this point. And, in fact, I think every major brand has at least a couple electric and vehicles. And all those cars go go very fast, mm -hmm. and they look look cool. And but I I still look and say, I live in I live in Minnesota. Yeah, that's the other thing is a lot of these electric cars are being sold in Texas or California or Florida where it's the weather's the same all year round basically. So, you know, it, uh, um, you know, it might it might make sense only for going going on short trips as opposed to going on on longer on longer trips. It takes a while to to charge these things up. Um, but I. I'm not so sure that they're, they're the best thing around, mm -hmm. but that's a personal choice, not anything else. Right. So, I'm not running out. To, in, in any case, I'm not running out to buy Ford, General Motors, Stellantis, um, or even even Tesla. I've never even heard of Stellantis. What is that? They they operate uh, Jeep, Chrysler. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. They have a new name. Stellantis? Stellantis. Stellantis. Let's see here. Chrysler, Citroen, Dodge. Wow. That's Citron. Holy. That's uh, that's a French company. Holy crap. They've got a lot of stuff. I've never even heard of this company. And they own like half of the cars in the world. <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of cool little cars if you're in Europe, but not here, I don't think, as well. Hmm. well there you have it. That's going to do it for the i, I got to tell you, though. Since you brought up Crocs. You have to go out and buy a pair of Crocs? No. No, I was just getting the sales department stuff. It keeps the place afloat, right? <laughs> but uh, all I could think of is I'll close with this. Um, many years ago, I was playing in a charity golf tournament. Mm -hmm. And I went into the locker room to change my shoes and my golf shoes and get, go out there. <laughs> Remember Bill Lambeer? Yes. Nope. For the Detroit Pistons? Yep. Remember him? Uh, he, was, he left his pair of Crocs. He was wearing Crocs, and he left his pair of Crocs in front of his locker. They had to be monster. 22. Oh, my God. They, you could have put a sail on it. <laughs> I could have taken it out to the, to the long lake out there and just floated it around. Honestly, these shoes were like this big. 
I will never wow. forget these because Crocs look big anyway. Correct. Well, they are just they're big shoes. They're, they're yeah. big Bulky. shoes anyway. And then you see this like, holy God. Here's the only pair of Crocs I will never wear. Oh, Ham's beer Crocs, baby. <laughs> All right, any closing comments from you guys? It's uh, going to be going to be very interesting in terms of earnings next next week. Uh, still have a lot of major companies, including some of my favorites. Report: Apple, Amazon, uh, Caesar's Caesar's Palace, MGM, and DraftKings. I bring these up because oh, yeah. we're getting close to football season. <laughs> we are. And I can see uh, Dave and Andy just getting ready for their draft parties. Oh, yeah. You know, I did, I did that fantasy football one season, and I found out I hated football. It made me hate football. Because <laughs> you got to sit there and you got to watch, and then you're watching, and you're just like, I need eight points from this guy, and I need. It just took away all the fun out of football. So it's like I yeah. never did another fantasy thing ever. <laughs> Can I just draft Dan Marino in every position? <laughs> Dan Marino. He hadn't played in a while. One of the five football players I can name. <laughs> that would be one. I'm surprised you could name five. You sure you can name five? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. We got Dan Marino. We got Tom Brady. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, unfortunately. Three quarterbacks. Three, I'm, no, they're all going to be quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> they're all going to be quarterbacks. Philip Wise. There you go. Oh, Philip Wise. That's true. Defensive yeah. back. So you're good. You're the mm-hmm. Philly dog. Mm. All right. That's going to do it. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. You got it. Yeah.